Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I'm joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high-praise classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, hon? I'm okay. You good? How are you? I'm good. Full of burgers. I'm full of burgers. Yeah. I'm a little gassy. Well, you know, that's what those Beyond Burgers do to me, is they make me gassy. See, I don't have that problem, but I'm just like, mm, tasty. Tasty, and I'm gassy. So mm-hmm. you're tasty, I'm gassy. Makes sense. Maybe we should rename the podcast Tasty and Gassy. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest with us today from behind the behind. Sydney, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's nice to have you here. We always enjoy chatting with you. Yeah. So, and, and this... We have you here to talk about, am I I'm correct? I, I'm not imagining this. I did see this in one of our conversations. This is your favorite movie. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Laura's over here like, oh my God. Sydney, if you had seen Laura watching this movie last night, there'd be fisticuffs flying. It, it was. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> One of my all-time favorite movies is a 1980s classic children's movie as well that a lot of people, such as my husband, hold in low regard. I have no problems with The Last Unicorn. It is just not my favorite movie. That's all. I like The Last Unicorn, too. That's a good one. It's there you go. So See, good. now you guys are on the same page, but not for this movie, apparently. <laughs> but this week, we will be talking about The Never-Ending Story, which originally hit theaters back in 1984. What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of The Never-Ending Story? You will enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and a good and kind gnome. A world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish, believed in a fantasy, or had a dream, this is the never-ending story. Uh, I don't even... (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Now Uh, you're in the spirit. No. You're singing the song. There you go. Look at what you see. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that's really good i'm very impressed <laughs> but i'm just like well yes up there we don't want to get sued yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> well we're gonna go back first first to april of 1984 when this movie first hit theaters in west germany because remember this is when there were two germany yay two germanys so not much happened in april of 1984 oh okay <laughs> i mean some on. big things happened but like <laughs> Literally, the biggest thing was April 21st, the Centers of Disease Control says the virus discovered in France causes AIDS. So that's when they discovered HIV. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's important. It's important. April 26th, President Reagan visited China. I mean, I guess at the time, that's a big deal, right? Probably. And then (laughs) literally the next biggest piece of news I could find that wasn't to do with golf or tennis was... April 30th, strong winds cause a 30-minute delay in a Toronto Blue Jays game. <laughs> that was the biggest news. There wasn't even any, like, murder news I skipped for your really? benefit. Really? Wow. Nothing. That's wow. pretty... So, man, we, should, we all need to go back to April 1984. It's a boring time where no murders are happening. And- it's right before <laughs> you were born. Right before I was born. Yeah. So, this movie... In North America, yes. came out in July of 1984, which wasn't that much more interesting. <laughs> hey, that's when I was born. Well, you didn't let me get to that. So okay. thanks, dear. <laughs> I jump ahead. That's important. Uh, July 11th, the government of the United States orders airbags or seatbelts would be required in cars by 1989. So when we were children, 
those were not required in vehicles in the United States. How did we survive? I don't remember ever sitting in a car seat. Well, you wouldn't because you were a baby. Well, my parents well, told me about my parents had to modify their vehicle to get a car seat <laughs> in it. Our car seat was like my mom's hand flung out and like stopped <laughs> yeah, me from yeah. going forward. Yeah. <laughs> the purse hand. The I purse do that. I still do. <laughs> she does. She does. Because I, I don't, instinct, I don't drive. Instinct. I don't drive. So I'm always in the passenger seat. And every so often we'll hit a, a, a stop too fast and the arm will fling out. And it's because she's. Like, my purse. And I'm like, I'm not your purse. <laughs> I think it's a mom instinct. I'm just here. There. I think so, too. July 19th, <gasps> baby Jonathan Michael Laidman oh, is born. Oh, we're going to Jonathan in there. Fancy fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little baby Mike Laidman enters the world. And then on July 20th, Vanessa Williams is asked to resign as Miss America due to publication of nude photos of her. She Scandalous. did, in fact, resign on the 23rd. Mm. scandalous i actually knew that story too so it was one of the ones i'm like oh okay context and then july 28th the 23rd modern olympic games open in la oh i know that one because that's the one that has the really famous stadium i guess you don't know the olympic stadium in i LA? wasn't born it's uh, still famous they held a wrestlemania there oh no wait they didn't they wanted to <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to, and at the last minute, they had they didn't have an, the number of ticket sales that they thought that they were going to get, so they moved it at the last minute. And I remember that they made a big deal about it. They're like, "Oh yeah, we have to move for safety concerns." And then it was like, "Oh no, you just didn't sell enough tickets to fill the stadium." <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yes, yes. This was back. It was it was WrestleMania seven. Let's just get off topic here. It was WrestleMania seven, and it was Sergeant Slaughter versus Hulk Hogan, and it was when Sergeant Slaughter. When they turned him heel by making him an Iraqi sympathizer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's back in the early nineties, right? In the late eighties. This is this is what they did. This is what if you wanted someone to be a villain, you made them from another country and just made them be like, I'm from that country. And that's Look at all my to, crazy passport. <laughs> exactly. You knew what I'm going for. But yeah, that we're not here to talk about the the history of Olympic stadiums in Los Angeles. <laughs> no. So shall we discuss the box office of the time? Yes, please. So The NeverEnding Story premiered on April 6, 1984 in West Germany and literally could not find anything about the box office in West Germany. It was a hit. Yeah. But <laughs> otherwise, that's all there is to know. <laughs> it was there. It was it, it was, was there. It was big. <laughs> then in July 20th on the, in the USA, during its release in North America, Ghostbusters was top of the box office for seven weeks straight. Never ending story did not crack the number one spot. So you're lucky it won some awards. And that's, that's what I would end with it. I oh, knew. Overall, the biggest movies of the year were Beverly Hills Cop at 234 million. Ghostbusters at 229 and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at 179. Domestically, Neverending Story was the 54th top movie to be released in 1984 at $20 million. But it earned $20 million in Germany, too. So, I mean, and then worldwide, it actually made quite a bit of money. But domestically, because we've only been counting domestically, it was beaten by such classics as The Flamingo Kid. I've never heard of that. The Cotton Club. I, I have no idea what that is either. And City Heat. City Heat, I've heard of. But I could not tell you what it was about and who's in it. It was also beaten by Nightmare bef uh, on Elm Street, too. So the Nightmare Before cool. Elm Street? Shush. But, <laughs> but, the never-ending Nightmare Before Elm Street. That actually wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> but no, I, obviously it was going movies so none of us have ever heard of. Of course, it, of course. To be like, look, it still kicked its butt. But yeah. still, anyway... Shall we? <laughs> Do you, you want to get into this? Oh, boy. <laughs> Sydney, I am um, so excited. I, I apologize for it. all opinions stated are my own and not a reflection of those of the burnt popcorn team <laughs> i i gotta i i'm like do i save this till the end or do i do this right now I'm going to do it right now. About three quarters of the way through no! this movie, Laura turns to me and farts super loudly and says, 
that's what I think of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so double butter. No, <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny because like whenever I talk about this movie with other people, they're like, I think I remember it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you not remember my favorite movie of all time? Well, no, we, yeah. We, That's true. We, we haven't, haven't talked, we haven't about, talked about it. We haven't talked about it. We got to talk. Okay, let's talk about our okay, memories. Okay, we haven't talked about it. Uh, shall we start with Sydney? Yeah, you're the guest. You As our guest. Guests go first. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I wasn't born when this came out, obviously. I was born literally five years later in 89 in July. But my my parents did the VHS recording from TV, <laughs> you know? Yep. And... I ended up by the time I was four, I bro- like I played it and rewound it so many times that the VHS stopped working, so we had to do it again. And man, I've I've I watch this movie maybe once every year, maybe once every six months. I just love I I don't know I can I always feel I find I feel like I find something new each time I watch it, and I definitely did now that I was taking notes and stuff. So. I find I find that so, as a process, that's a really good way to catch stuff that you've never caught before. Is when because when you're taking notes, you're really paying attention, mm-hmm. and you always find a bunch of stuff that you've never seen before. So, I gotta say, your story about watching it as a kid and burning through the VHS, I was like, that was me with the Last Unicorn. It came out before I was born, and my mom taped it off the TV, and I burned through a VHS, and then she had to make another one. Don't we have a bootleg DVD? We have a bootleg DVD my mom got me when it wasn't actually available on DVD, and she got me it on DVD when I was in like high school, and then I bought a real Blu-ray of it, and like I remember when I first watched the bootleg DVD, there were scenes that were not in the made for, like the not the TV version, mm-hmm. and I was like, what the hell is this? It's like extra bonus stuff. <laughs> so I get the whole like early nineties mom tape and stuff off the TV for you and burning through the tape thing. I feel that in my soul. For me, that was RoboCop. <laughs> Why were you watching RoboCop? Because at that the age? made for TV version is very different than the real version. <laughs> but would you like to dare talk about your memories of this movie and then and sure, then, I will then we'll then we'll get into share it. Share my very brief memory of this movie. So yeah, so for me, it's that I've mentioned on the show before the the not quite aunt friend that my mother has. Mm-hmm. We would we went to her place and we watched it. She had the the movie network, which was basically HBO in in Canada before Canada got HBO. And and we would watch movies at her place, and this was one of the movies that came on. And I feel like this and Return to Oz were the two movies that I would watch there and be like, oh, my God, why are children's movies so scary? Return to Oz was scary. <laughs> Return to Oz is horrifying. And I feel like if I go back, it will still be horrifying. Agreed. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's where I remember it from. But also, like, let's just not forget, throughout life, Throughout life, that theme song has stayed with me from, you know, from birth to now. Uh, you just can't escape it. It's an earworm. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's great. It's a theme song. Like, you can never forget this movie because of that theme music. Like when when I hear that, those first like turn around, I think of that horse dying in the swamp. And, Aww. you know, it's always <laughs> it's always there for me. <laughs> <laughs> What I know of the song uh, is you singing it at me to, uh, to make annoy you me. <laughs> and what I remember this movie was, funnily enough, watching it. My parents had friends who lived in Kingston, and I kid you not, right up the street from the jail in this beautiful old house. Mm-hmm. But the Kingston jail is like Ontario famous because of literally one inmate, and that's Paul Bernardo. Yes. And that was like... When I saw this movie, <laughs> right after he got like sentenced to be there, mm-hmm. so that was like the news in Ontario was Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, and I, I was like six, so not super appropriate for me to be learning about like Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, but I knew all. So does this movie remind you of Paul Bernardo? A little, but <laughs> no, 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 no. In, in, in actuality. So we went up there, we would, we were staying with them and they like ran a bed and breakfast out of this big house. And we, they had kids that were a couple years older than me. And it was before my sister was born. Cause she and I have a huge age difference. And I remember watching this movie there and being so sad when the horse died, like just being so upset. Like, you know, I'm a big animal lover 
And I'm always sad when something happens to animals in movies and TV shows. And like, I'm a big subscriber to like, does the dog die.com. So like, literally, that is all I remember of this movie is that scene with the horse dying. Nothing else. And then the scene from Family Guy, where Peter's riding Falcar, and he can't hold him up because Peter is too heavy. <laughs> and he's like, yay! And he's like, going down. That's all I knew about this movie. Going in. <laughs> That's it. And literally, <laughs> my first note is, because all I remember is a stupid horse dying, was, I hope I hate it so I'm not sad. <laughs> and then I was thinking as we were starting the movie, I was like, am I remembering this movie or Page Master with Macaulay Culkin? And it turns out some of my memories were Page Master. Really? Except oh. the horse. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I remember about Page Master was that like Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Stewart were talking books. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I remember kind of some of that and yeah, some little other snippets of that movie, but like there are some similarities. I suppose. Well, I guess we'll have to watch Page Master next. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's literally my memory is being really sad about the horse and that learning about Paul Bernardo. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it reminds you of serial killers and you confuse most of the plot of this it, movie with a different I movie. I think that was like, but you know what? Like, and not to go off on a tangent here, but you got to talk about WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you think about it as like a kid in the early 90s, Saturday night was all about cops, cops, America's Most Wanted. Uh-huh. And then the Paul Bernardo thing happened here, which was a big deal. And like, there's a reason why true crime among 30 something women is such a big deal. I blame the nineties. You blame the nineties. Okay. So you were watching cops when you were six. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> what I was only allowed to watch the theme song. That's, that's all I was allowed to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like it's good theme my, song. my parents never really, cause we grew up with very few channels and somehow we got Fox 29 out of Buffalo, which is like, why? Because we had that global CBC and Omni, and that was it. That's not a lot of channels. No, no it's not. Like we we had nothing, and so Saturday night it was like, all right, let's watch America's Most Wanted as a family. <laughs> <laughs> My parents very much subscribed to the well. As long as we watch it with you, it's not that bad, right? And then, like I said, I, I was watching X-Files at like eight, nine years old. So again, and then I'd have nightmares every night about aliens abducting me. And my parents still let me watch it because it makes my parents sound like terrible parents. They're not. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. They thought TV wasn't going to hurt me. I mean, it, I'm okay. I mean, yeah. TV like that was still kind of new. So it was like the rules about like well, how, what, what you should let your kids watch and stuff probably was up in the air. This is true. Yeah, cable TV. Before right? this, all the kids had to freak them out was never ending story. That's and right. turn to <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well let's get into it. My first notes were about the awesome theme song. <laughs> uh, my first note is theme song fucking rules still. <laughs> and and I, I just gonna throw this out right at the beginning. I don't know what it is about this theme song, because it's not like it's not anything special. You know, it's just it's just a very catchy song that's very happy. Yeah. And like I, I for whatever reason it sticks with me and it's it sounds like something that I would hate, but I love it. And you like a lot of terrible music though. <laughs> it's fair. I mean I like a lot of things that are that people would consider terrible. But like the theme song in this movie is great. And the other thing too, is you were looking at me like, what are you doing? The the basically the main theme of the movie that's not the song, where it's like when he's riding the horse or when he's or when Bastion's riding Falcor, any scene like that where it's like the the big triumphant song, mm-hmm. like that song is great. That's a, oh, yeah. a it's a an awesome fantasy song full of like hope and and wonder, and I, it fits the movie like it's a great. Like I said, as, as a fantasy song, it, it, I, I would throw that. You could throw that in the Lord of the Rings and maybe it'd be a little weird, but it still would fit, you know, yeah. like, you know, you throw it under Aragon riding his horse, you know, through the the woods or something. And yeah, it works. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'm but, all about it. Yeah. 
So, I mean, those, those are, that was like the, really the first thing I wrote down was about the music being, being great. But yeah, the, the music, the Lamal is the, yeah. the artist who mm-hmm. was part of the, uh, another band that they did that too. Shy, shy, hush, hush. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that song. I will concede like the music artistically is good. I, it's for an <laughs> a, early eighties Euro soundtrack. Uh-huh. I would say above par. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like By that. today's standards, not great. But, <laughs> but for its time, I have to give it the appropriate kudos. So I, I feel that. So, yeah. But, okay. So, this movie does not start how, obviously, I remembered it all. And you see this kid. His name is Bastion. Bastion. Which mm-hmm. is like, okay. It's German. Whatever. And well, it's, it's the char- that character's name. This is based off a book. Yeah. And yeah. you're, you've read the book, you said, Sydney. You're a lot more familiar with yeah, the book. Yeah, about three or four times, yeah. Within the last, like, four years, too. So, now, am I correct in... It, this is... The movie is only, like, the first half of the book, right? Yes. Yes, it is. And this is, like, the, you know, Stephen King with The Shining. The writer hates the movie. Yeah. Which sucks, because I really like it. <laughs> he's, like, take my, he's, like, take my name off or something, right? Yeah, like, he was not about it at all but then it yeah, made a lot of money and he was like all right maybe, maybe i'm about the money. money but like <laughs> i think i read something that where he like called it an abomination and mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> but the book but, is really good but it's way too dark for children i was gonna say is the book because I, I i have not obviously read it is the book more like more the same where it is like originally a kid's book or is it an adult fantasy i would say like a young adult fantasy Okay, so something more along the lines of like Hunger Games age group. Yeah, like there's okay, definitely okay. some big, big, big boy problems to deal with. Yeah. Just, just curiosity then, is the book still written, the, the book is still written about Bastion. Like it's still like Bastion is running around on the street and now he reads this book. It's not like you read the book and it's like, and then the character, you know, the characters in the book start talking about you, but like not in like the sense of like, oh, Sydney was reading the book. Like it, right. it says something along the lines of like, Oh, so and so is reading this book right now. Like they, they yeah. just, the, whoever can help us is reading this book right now. It's not like that. It's it's still about Bastion. It's still about his kind, problems. And- yes, more or less. And and then you're all. That's what's cool. He wrote it really cool. And and they did the same thing with the movie. You know. You know. They said something about how he's watching our story, but his story is also being watched. You know, by yeah. someone else. And I did. So, enjoy, I did really enjoy that part. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they know. <laughs> they know I'm watching it right now, <laughs> but no, like this. Also, so Bastion, he's like in the book, and like in the so, but in the book, his mom is dead too, right? Like he's yeah, and he's supposed to be really chubby. Oh, interesting. Okay, that that is a different dynamic, especially I would say like now it's obviously not like any easier, but it's definitely like yeah, I feel 80s like- versus today chubby are two very different worlds. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the kids in the movie were bullying because his mom died. Like, Which, that's really what like, it came down to, it seemed Okay, like. so the scene straight, you've got Major Dad. Yes, Major Dad. Okay, what was he drinking? Did you all see that? He Okay, so we, very we talked 80s about this. Drink. He, it was a very 80s thing to do. He had orange juice, and then he put an egg in it, and then he drank that. Yeah, that's such an 80s thing to do. Oh, like, my God. I feel like Rocky is Rocky, partially to yeah. blame for that. But, like... He's literally like, hey, my kid has been, his grades are dipping. His mom has died fairly recently by the sounds of things. His grades are dipping. He's skipping school. He's obviously depressed. You know what's going to help my child? A 30-second pep top where he has to get over that shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> I literally wrote down, if I die, don't BS our kid like this. Like, And then I was like, this kid needs therapy. Mm-hmm. Like holy macaroni this poor kid yeah major dad's all like just pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah he's like you got to get your feet on the ground head out of the clouds it's like this poor kid's mom just died he's like a baby like yeah dad sucks <laughs> well you know he wasn't major dad yet drinking his egg i i know i mean i i was trying to look at it like he the dad has no idea what to do which yeah. I, I mean fair the dad's probably yeah. lost too but like as a parent, it's like you gotta put your kids' needs first, and 100%. like, and like right now, his kid needs freaking mental help, and his dad is just like, "Well, 
Work sucks and I'm sad too. Too bad. Major dad. Major dad. I like that Major Dad is like the only recognizable American actor in the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't recognize him at all. I wouldn't know who that was. I knew he was Major me. Dad. Unless you told me. Yeah. I did. I told you he was Major Dad. Yep. I also told you my, I used my Major Dad to sneak in a Metal Gear story on you too. Uh, and you were like, damn it, stop talking about Metal Gear. <laughs> you you like see David every- Hayter who plays Solid Snake. Oh, the reason he got cast as Solid Snake was because he appeared in an episode of Major Dad and he had a Russian accent and the casting director for Captain Planet saw him and asked him to come on Captain Planet and do a Russian accent. And the voice director for Captain Planet was the voice director for Metal Gear Solid. That's how that connection is all wrapped up there. That That's amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty great story. That was really nice of you to say, Sydney. <laughs> So back to Major Dad being terrible. Yeah. Bastion is bullied for having a dead mom. Which is mm. like, you know what? But at the same time, though, like, kids will bully each other for literally anything. They they can smell weakness. Oh, yeah. So I got bullied for having a birthmark. Oh, yeah. If I see kids on one on the side of the street I'm on, I cross the street. 100%. Same. We've got these. <laughs> Every single time. I haven't seen them in a bit. But we've got this, like, but it's been cold. But we've got this roving band of like 11 year olds in our neighborhood and we live in like a half decent neighborhood but like literally they're known in our neighborhood as the shitty kids yeah (laughs) if i'm at the playground with our child i take our child home if they come i'm just like Mm -hmm. no i'm not dealing with these shitty kids they're the worst i can't stand them they're like 11 and talking (laughs) about like how they're getting drunk and smoking weed and i'm like where are your parents you need therapy (laughs) That's, that was one of my notes was bullying sucked in the 80s. At least bullying in the 80s you could get away from when you got home. But now it's all online, which is like scary. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's not like somebody's messaging Bastion on Instagram to be like, your mom's dead, Bastion. Yeah, oh my <laughs> God. Well, we're watching Cobra Kai right now. And there's making like memes. online bullying. Yeah, and making memes about each other. And I'm just like, oh. God, I feel so bad for a child. Yeah, he's gonna get TikToked by some jerk. But you know what? I feel like our kid. I feel like our kid is gonna end up. He's such a like performer as is now, and like he's such a charmer. I'm like, this kid's probably gonna grow up to be like the bully, and I'm like, I'm gonna teach him not to. But like, you know what I mean? Like he's. I feel like he'll be okay because he's such a like charmer. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's two. What are you gonna do? Right. So anyway, why does the school have an accessible attic? <laughs> well i don't yeah. really think it was supposed to be because the key to the attic was like in a box well, why does the school even the have glass an attic? Was, i don't know i've they never have, seen a school that would be shaped it was, to have it was german that's all you probably <laughs> you probably didn't go to a school where they let you see the attic i know i mean my school my elementary school didn't have an attic but it had a big room on the top floor that you couldn't weren't supposed to go in Every even though school i went to only had one floor but i went to school in the middle of nowhere i went to school the elementary school that i went to they had a room on the top floor that you were not supposed to go in and it overlooked the auditorium and one day the kids figured out that there was a crash pad at the bot because there was like um like it was like a balcony it was covered in like, you know, like mops and shit. And the kids figured out that you could jump off the balcony under the crash pad, which was, you know, very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and, and eventually they moved the crash pad because they thought that that would deter kids from jumping off the balcony. <laughs> if they moved the crash pad, thankfully, no one jumped off and killed themselves. But Oh, yeah. That by, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wrote that down too. School security sucked in the 80s. <laughs> Not only did they have that attic, the attic was full of like skeletons and like weird samurai armor. Taxidermy yeah. animal. Taxidermy. Yeah. Like there was just like, I mean, school in the 80s sucked, but if all that stuff was from older years where kids were in school, I'd say school was better in the 80s than it was before the 80s. <laughs> yeah, so, true. I mean. That's true. Also, uh, when the school closes, they make no attempt to sweep. You know, like they all, the bell rings and everyone just files out. Even yeah. the janitor, the janitor yeah. like walks out with them. He's like, yeah. I'm out of here. Thanks, hey, guys. My yeah, day's done. The lights turned off like 30 seconds after the doors closed. Mm-hmm. It must have been a Friday. That's what I'm thinking. It was a Friday. Yeah, he's ready for the weekend. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. So then Bastion yeah. is locked in the school until Monday. <laughs> nothing but that sandwich. <laughs> he's got a long journey ahead, doesn't he? Well, he could have at least gotten out of the attic, right? He wasn't stuck up there, right? True. 
I mean, he, that window was broken open. He probably could have just thrown. I mean, eventually he got out of there and he rode a luck dragon to get away. But I mean, if he if 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 he really needed to, he could have probably taken that blanket he had and tossed it out the window and climbed down to safety. Yeah, maybe. It was pretty bad weather. It but yeah, speed. Okay. Also, did, did you get when he finally starts reading the book? Because it's like, you know, what ten minutes into the movie, he starts reading this book, and it's like all evil dead shots yeah well that was like the nothing and well not no that wasn't depends on because there's multiple things deadites maybe maybe but i mean the first time you see that evil dead style shot it's Mm -hmm. the rock biter Mm -hmm. it's from the rock biter's point of view Mm -hmm. but then later on you see the evil dead shot again and it's i gotta i have to look at this because i wrote it down gamork yep which i also wrote this down Hard to be scared of a dude named Gamork. Yeah. <laughs> Gamork is, I remember, I, I remember, I told Laura, I remember s- telling her that I was scared by the wolf thing. And then his name was Gamork. And I'm like, I'm not so scared anymore by Gamork. <laughs> See, I thought you had told me that you were afraid of the rock monsters. No, I, th- I think I told you what I was scared of with the sphinxes. Oh. The sphinxes that judge you. For but, doubting yourself, and just I doubt myself. So the sentence is death. <laughs> yeah. So, but no. So I was thinking, like, so a rock monster does show up because you told me about the rock monsters. Yes. No. You know what it might have been? Because I was joking that I was like, maybe I should just get ripped. Yeah. And super then watch high this. or super <laughs> drunk. And then you were like, you're going to lose it if you do that. And the rock monster shows up. And I was like, and then the rock monster did show up. I'm glad I was stone sober. (laughs) Because like literally my first thought is this character looks like he's out of an 80s Canadian PSA. Yeah. Which is saying something. Yeah. 80s Canadian PSAs. If you ever get a chance, Sydney, go on YouTube and look some up because there's some weird ones. Oh, I'll block out a couple hours. Oh my god! Even even some of the new ones, I'm just like, what is our film like industry? Because <laughs> some of these are bonkers. That poor sous chef. Oh, the, the sous chef one. Gives me nightmares. Oh man, the sous chef one. There's one. I'll just spoil it for you so that you. No, know. no, no, just don't spoil okay, it. Okay, you're just fine. gonna send him the link when we're done, and then okay. we can do like okay. a react video. But it is a bonus at the end of the episode. Seriously, anybody who's listening who hasn't seen, look Google Canadian PSA sous chef, and then be. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> pretty horrifying. Kudos to the actress in it, because for sure, crap. for sure. So the beginning happens, and I remembered the rock biter, but I didn't remember the other guys, like Teeny Weeny, because nope. that dude's name was Teeny Weeny. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to be like a like a in the book. He's this big compared oh. to the Nighthog, and then it was supposed to be scale. Okay, th- see that makes sense. And the snail was supposed to be small, but they decided to make the snail big. Because they were already doing a giant monster and they couldn't do, like, another layer of small, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. They probably didn't have a ton of money. It was West Germany in the 80s. Yeah. So, they all go to the Ivory Tower. In the Ivory Tower, there's a meeting of nightmare fuel. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> because all of those... God, I'm sober. All so of these glad. people at this meeting... <laughs> the giant heads. The giant heads... <laughs> The four heads? Yeah, the four heads. One of them was, I'm fairly certain, was just a fish on his hind legs. <laughs> it was so off-putting. There was a, a human face with a beak coming out the mouth. <laughs> like, not like it was a human face with a beak. It was a beak coming out the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I almost want to, like, say that they just had this stuff on, on a studio and were like, Dude, throw, throw, we need 15 people just to throw things on. And one dude walked out with an elephant head. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, it was just an elephant head. Yeah. Not like a full elephant, just like a head of an elephant. Yeah. yeah it was, it was a trap. It was so weird. It was like, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. And then the guy who shows up who looked like, what's his nuts? Oh, he's in, he, he's, uh, he's Goliath and Gargoyles, famous actor. Keith I talk about David? Keith David. He looked like Keith David. He didn't sound like Keith David. It wasn't Keith David. No. But like, he looked like Keith David. I'm like, this Keith David looking dude shows up with his pointy head and his big wispy <laughs> beard and, and, and sends out for Atreyu. Atreyu shows up 
And then the horse dies, like, immediately. Yeah, okay. So, again, I remember... Everyone knows that the horse dies. Like, this yes. is, like, a big yeah. thing. But, like, it's... Mem- especially as a kid, it was traumatizing. This poor horse. I remember, like, crying about this horse and, like, being this deep despair about the horse. I everything. remember, like, just being like, I don't want to see the horse die. Yeah, same. Like, I was, going like... Going into watching mm-hmm. it last night. And then, like, he just dies instantly. And I was like, oh, it's so fast that you don't yeah. have time to build up an emotional attachment to the horse yeah like the horse wakes him up from a nap one time <laughs> and then it's like oh my best friends died and it's like all they showed is your horses and your alarm clock like yeah so like and i understand in the book i'm sure it was a lot more right. like of course character yeah. building but like and i know in especially in like a fantasy movie and then you're adapting and everything like time is of the essence yeah this was not a long movie either like i remember mm. when i when we pulled it up and you're like at least it's only an hour and a half <laughs> oh, I, so I went into it thinking that this movie was like two and a half hours and it was only 90 minutes and i was like oh thank god yeah i, I want to hand it to the kid that played a you though he sold it yeah like yeah he was like stupid whore like he was upset and i, I was like the, the child acting in the 80s is like pretty good in my my little opinion yeah, and hilariously, from what the stuff has come out after is that basically getting the kid to give convincing performances to play to Treyu was like pulling teeth. But the kid who played Bastion, everyone on set had nothing but good things to say about him. There you go. He's a good yeah. kid. So, I mean, but he's, apparently, he's trying to read a book though, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and well, yell out a window. He yeah. has a few scenes where he's just like crying and throwing yeah, things. That kid. That and, like, kid. Running away, screaming the, from things. Well, the horse dies and the kid balls his eyes out. I know. Like, I don't know about you. I have never reacted that viscerally to a book before. Well, maybe. Or maybe as a kid. I mean, our kid was really upset that 101 Dalmatians ended. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> was he more upset that the movie ended or that just that TV time was TV done? TV was no. over. Maybe. I don't know. But I remember coming out. I, I, I was upstairs and it was like, I'm trying to think why was he so a, upset? Oh, you know what book I did cry, cry at last was the last time I cry, cried at a book. I think would have been the third Hunger Games. Okay. Back when, to Hunger Games. Yeah. When the sister. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the last time I've really like cry, cry. No, that's a lie. The last time I cried in a book was a autobiography sort of book. Uh, okay. Of who? What was it called? Um, this hmm. book made me cry, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, no, it's really good. I'll circle back to me. Okay. Books Sid- that make you Sydney, cry. Sydney, tell me about your reaction to the horse dying. I mean, I've seen it so many times, so I'm pretty numb to it. But <laughs> I remember when I, I definitely cried when I first saw it as a kid. And if you think the horse is sad on the movie, in the book, it's pretty upsetting. But that's like the least sad thing that happens in the book. Oh, wow. That's the least sad thing that happens? Yes. That's all I'm going to say. Because I've actually, when I read that the last time, I definitely teared up. Wow. Interesting. That's very interesting. interesting. It's a book called The Rules Do Not Apply by Ariel Levy, who is a New Yorker writer. Okay. I, I, I... She, she is pregnancy loss stuff. And I bold listen i listen to the she narrates the audiobook and i listen to it and i just yeah sob like migraine inducing sobbing so i mean you know it's a great book highly recommended but if you're gonna listen to it it's very short too but if you're gonna listen to it definitely do it like in the shower where is a nice good spot to cry <laughs> We're gonna I listen it. to it in the car. Not a good place to cry. <laughs> no, nef- definitely not. <laughs> the book, it gets really upsetting. It, Like I said, I don't think it's a kid's book. I think he wanted it to be, but mm. it's not. It's not. I wouldn't let my kid read it. But at the same time, like, so when did the book come out? Like how 79. Old? Okay, so I'm just thinking, like, the author's probably a bit older. He's growing up in, you know, post-war, current divided germany i mean for him as a child this children in germany at this time were probably very tough this book was probably for like two-year-olds <laughs> you might be right okay I, 
<laughs> you gotta be tough to survive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but he, I mean, then the, the horse dies, but then like every good adventure story, he levels up his mount. Oh yeah. So he, he does. He's true. He does level up to Falcor. That's true. Which Falcor saves him from Gamork, <laughs> which is like the only time that really Gamork and outside of like the end where, oh God, what was, I told you about this. What was the name of the town? It was like, oh, cause, cause afterwards I looked up something about Gamork because I, I just thought Gamork was so ridiculous. And the, the city at the end of the movie where Gamork and Atreyu have their big final scene, Spook City. It's called Spook yeah. City. Mm-hmm. And and in the, the book, because I, I wanted to read what happened to Gamork, because you asked me, you're like, who is Gamork and what is the point of Gamork? Because it's like at the beginning of the movie, it's like Gamork gets a mission to kill Atreyu. And you're like, well, who the hell, who gives Gamork his mission? So I stopped the movie and I told you that he's like a servant of the nothing. And then we started playing the movie again and he literally gives the speech that says who he is and why he's doing it. I'm like, awesome. If we'd waited a minute, we would have known. <laughs> but but Gamork in the, in the movie, Atreyu kills Gamork and they have like their big battle. But in the book, Gamork is like chained up by some lady who like throws herself into the nothing and then he's just basically left to starve to death and when atreyu shows up and is like hey i'm atreyu gamork laughs himself to death which is a very different ending for gamork than is in the movie yeah yeah i would say the movie ending for gamork is uh, mind you i haven't read the book but I feel like it makes more sense in the movie. I don't know. I mean, laughing yourself to death can be pretty hardcore. I mean, in the face of a nameless void. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, a lot of the deaths like that in, or because of the nothing in the book are very similar. Like it's uh, It describes it as people's minds become nothing first. Oh. Sometimes. So, like, they lose their mind. And then a lot of people just walk into it. That makes sense. I mean, the rock biter straight up is just like, I'm just going to stay here and let it kill me. Yeah. They look like big, strong yeah. hands. Yeah. Yeah. He's just repeating himself. Like, he's just like, that he's lost sense. it. He's okay, lost okay. it. Okay. Okay. You done. know what? That makes a lot more sense when you phrase it like that. Because the movie doesn't do a decent job of explaining. Read that. between the lines, hon. <laughs> the movie no. was a speed run. Like that. It really was. <laughs> it really, it really was. <laughs> So every once in a while it cuts back to Bastion, right? And he's like reacting to the book and everything. But at one point he like screams out, this is going too far. And I'm like, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, you were okay with like the horse dying and like everything else has happened up to this point. But this, I don't remember what it was. It wasn't anything important. They saw each other. Yeah, it was when he was in the mirror (sighs) and he saw himself. I remember you were like, what the hell was the point of that? He didn't see himself at all. And I'm like, yeah, he did. He saw him, He saw the kid reading the book. And, and you know, that he revealed the true self, which was him. That's it. And you're like, oh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like, <laughs> oh, it drives people mad and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but he like- says it makes people give up their quest. And he throws the book away and considers stop re- stopping reading the book, which to me is giving up the quest. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back to it. So he, he faced himself I in the mirror. See. Well, in, yeah, in the book, Atreyu sees Bastion and Bastion sees Atreyu. And how they describe it is Atreyu sees this chubby little coward and, you know, doesn't know who he is. But then Bastion gets jealous, you know, about Atreyu because he's everything he wishes he could be kind of a thing. Mm. Is and, it yeah. true that in the book, Atreyu is green? Yes, olive green. So, yeah, and then he he just gets through the gate at that point, which was like, oh, okay. This, mind you, a lot of titties. Yeah, and the sphinxes. <laughs> I was Some not expecting, on the I mean, I, I know it, again, I know it's Europe, but those sphinxes were well endowed. And it shows them for a long time. Yeah, I was like <laughs> not expecting that. And like personally, I have no issue with like nudity in a movie or casual nudity. If it's like, like you know, the actress hasn't been like coerced into it. But like, why? You draw the line at statues. No, I just like, <laughs> why? Too for you. <laughs> it almost yeah. looks like because they reused the same prop or whatever for the first yeah. gate and the third gate. 
So it almost seems like like this is what we have. Like let's just put it up. <laughs> yeah, kind of right. <laughs> yeah, like let's use the blue lights this time. It's different. <laughs> was there like prop designer just been like, look, I've been looking for an excuse to make a real nice set of cans. <laughs> this is my time to shine. I feel it. Deadly, <laughs> deadly set. Yeah, <laughs> a deadly set of cans. <laughs> the the real quest wasn't that you doubt yourself; it's that if you look, you, you get in trouble. That's right. Yeah, there you go. And like, or like, you know, you got to keep your focus on like, yes, this is my mission. I am worthy of this quest. Ooh, boobies! Oh no, nope. <laughs> lost my my concentration. And yeah. Also, I did want to discuss with you guys. I was honestly very excited to see Falcor. Yes, because. The idea of having like a big, fluffy, like iridescent pink dragon to ride around. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. But as the movie went on, I just kind of had this impression that Falcor sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> was it because his attitude was he just didn't give a shit? Yeah. He's like, yeah. everything will work out because luck. Yeah. And it's like, no, things are going very poorly here, Falcor. <laughs> and like, he's like, nah, it's all good. You just got to believe in luck. And I was just like, hmm. Yeah. Dragon is useless. I mean, that's, yeah, that's how his life was, right? Like, he just was born as a luck dragon. And so everything happened. Like, in the book, he was actually captured by a big spider thing that Atreyu saved him from. Mm. So he actually saved Falcor. Interesting. Yeah, was, and Falco was like, I wasn't worried. Yeah, I have luck. And you came along and saved him. That kind of is nuts. <laughs> okay, okay. So again, this is something that like makes more sense with more information is like this whole movie. He's just very like, I feel like if this movie were made today as a comedy, he'd be just a very stereotypical stoner character. <laughs> like the turtles from Finding Nemo. Is he the turtle from Finding Nemo? Yeah, he's like, everything's going to work out. Okay, man, just calm down. But in the book, if it's like, my whole life has been lucky because I'm a luck dragon. And see, even in the worst situation I'm in, you've come along and saved me, which is pretty lucky. Like, okay. I kind of get it. And I'm assuming because he's a dragon, he's like 10 billion years old. That like, if he's got 10 billion years worth of experience just being lucky, it's okay. Again, but in the movie, he sucks. I was very disappointed by not only the attitude of Falcor, but the appearance. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a luck dog, is what it is. Yeah, I was like, I really like the iridescent, like shimmery feather scales on his back. But actually, and I again, I know the budget on this movie has got to be like pennies, <laughs> but like the effect. Vexer. It was 1983 in East or West Germany. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of thought it would have been East Germany by the <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> like, and like, I get it. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I just, uh, they tried really hard. And they I did. really, I really like the, the effect that they were able to do with like I said, like his actual like body design because the colors and the iridescence and stuff is actually very pretty. I have to give them that. But the actual movement, they would have probably done better to show less than mm. trying to do full body shots. They could have had a very good effect for probably cheaper by doing close shots you know, rather than just trying to show him actually flying through the sky. Well, the, I found that the shots of him, like, from far away flying looked fine. But, like, when he was, like, you know, close up of him, you know, just lying there talking and stuff, it was like, maybe you put more motors into his face instead of, you know, <laughs> making sure his tail twitches on the end of the camera, right? I always like the, the slow wink, you know, because he'd say something be like, wasn't it lucky? Oh, uh, and then it would take like five <laughs> minutes to wait. <laughs> they really needed to call Jim Henson. Well, mm-hmm. you know, they probably didn't have that kind of money. So, yeah, I, I do true. like their backgrounds. I think those are really pretty. Yes, yeah. I agree. Like the actual like landscapes and everything they used in every shot were, I, I have to say, like the their landscape scout, location scout, fantastic job. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt like a lot of the the ideas behind a lot of the things, like Falcor and and the well, except everybody at the the meeting at the beginning, except all of them. Everything else was very like, you know, the idea behind them was well thought out, like yes. the, the character designs and stuff. It, the execution might not have been great. I thought they did a good job with the giant turtle. The giant turtle looked good, yeah. Yeah, the giant, and that's I, I guess that's what I was expecting more from Falcor was more of that sort of shot where mm-hmm. it was like the giant turtle. I, I thought they actually did like a, a fairly decent job with. No, yeah, I like I liked Morla. Oh yes, Morla. That was the name of the turtle. Morla was a bit of a jerk, but I could imagine being that old and that alone for that long. I'd probably be a jerk too. You are now. I was, yeah, I walked, yeah. And, yeah. You walked into that one. You did. did. But we are displeased. <laughs> We're allergic to youth. Yeah. And then, okay. And again, I I haven't read the book. And knowing that you've read the book is actually really, really helpful. So at the end of the movie, Bastion names the little prince or the, yeah. the empress, Moonchild. But I want to know, beyond all that, in all honesty, does Falcor come to the real world and chase down the bullies? No. Okay, because I'm like, Bastion is using Falcor for murder. Bastion gets murder sucked anyone. into the Fantasia. Okay, I felt like that makes yeah, more sense. Yeah, because at the end of the movie, the voiceover is like, Bastion had many adventures in Fantasia, but that's a story for another time, because we're hoping <laughs> we'll get sequel money. <laughs> they should. Yeah. Well, they did. They got three. There's three never-ending stories. I don't yeah, want to so talk they're... about those ones. Oh. <laughs> but they completely have nothing to do with the book at, at that point. Oh, really? Oh, oh really? so they yeah. didn't just... Oh, I figured they would, like, jump in. They've got a sequel there. There's they got the second half of the book. Small but... comparisons, but oh. story-wise, yeah, it's not even the same. Interesting. Well, okay, so getting back to what you were bringing up, because this is where I thought you were going with it. Sorry. So I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid that that he they acknowledge that Bastion is reading the book, and that he has to name the princess. Well, she's an so the empress, the empress. child empress. He has to name. She's her. not a child. She's a childlike empress. Oh, okay, sorry, mm-hmm. I understand the difference now. So he he has to name her. He has to name her, and she's like, "Yell my, you know, scream my name," and then he runs to the window. I don't know why he needed to run to the window for. He couldn't just do it over the book, but he runs to the window. And he screams out some name. And as a kid, I'm like, what the hell did he just say? I had no idea what he oh, said. Oh, yeah. For the longest time, I'm, I was the same. I didn't know until like a couple of years ago what he said. Well, I was. we watch everything with subtitles now because we turn all the volume down so that we can, the kid can sleep and we watch with the subtitles. So as the movie's going on, he's like, oh, you know, I think mother had a beautiful name. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. The name he gives her at the end of the movie is the mother's name. And then, you know, that's, that's what it's, it's building to. Cause she's like, oh, he's already chosen a name, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets to the, the window or yells to the, out the window, moon child. And, and both of us were like, was his mother named moon child? Like what, <laughs> what is happening? Where did this name come from? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I think she was just named moon child. She was free spirit. I think the family was a lot better off when mom was around. Yeah, I mean, I don't see Major Dad marrying somebody named Moonchild, though. I mean, maybe whatever the germ original German is for for Moonchild is something that is actually like, like <laughs> my name means Laurel Crowned, so it, maybe it's like him shouting out Laurel Crown when really he should be shouting out Laura. Right. Right. Okay. I mean, that, I guess that makes sense. I mean, yeah. depending on what the translation really would be. I don't know. But yeah, Moonchild just is odd and nobody <laughs> says it. Like he names her Moonchild and then everybody goes to her and is like, so Moonchild. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm Moonchild. Nice yeah, to hi. meet you. Nice to meet you, Moonchild. How's things? Things is good. Things are good. I'm Moonchild now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Building Fantasia back up. I was saying in the book that grain of sand, Bastion's tasked with rebuilding Fantasia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he wishes, he makes all these wishes to bring everybody back. Mm-hmm. Or at least uh, that's the, uh, the idea I got from the fact that 
you know, Atreyu and Artax are back, and so is the Rock Monster or the Rock Biter and everybody else. And yeah. No Gamork, though. He didn't bring back Gamork. No, mm-hmm. I mean, Gamork was <laughs> working on behalf of the nothing. It's true. And, and he went out with a shank. He yeah. got shanked by Atreyu. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, L- Laura turns to me about three quarters of the way of the movie. You already said farts, this. Says, this is my review. <laughs> it reeked. Absolutely reeked. And then the movie ends. And we're watching on Netflix. And Laura immediately goes and goes, thumbs down. <laughs> like, <laughs> right away. She cut the song off. I was grooving. She took it out. So Laura gave it a thumbs down. <laughs> but critics in 1984 had their own thoughts on this movie. So Laura, why don't you fill us in on some past reviews? Okay, well, to my surprise, this movie holds an 80% positive critical response <laughs> and 81% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Always got a feature, Roger Ebert, because he's the big name. He says, the world of this movie looks like a very particular place. And the art direction involved a lot of imagination. Overall, he was very positive about it. Uh, but <laughs> Vincent Canby of the New York Times says, The never-ending story may have cost a mint to produce, but the result is bargain basement. Ooh. But my favorite... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know, I know it's your favorite, and I would feel so bad if someone was ripping on Last Unicorn or something, but, uh, whew, uh, Gene Siskel said that Falcor looks like some, the sort of stuffed toy you'd win at a county fair and then throw it when you left. <laughs> I think I read that exact same review. And then he also added the film was much too long, and that is even after Roger Ebert told him the film was only 90 minutes. (laughs) 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 But Uh. the reason why I qualified for the podcast is it won a lot of awards, including the Bambi Award for National Film, the Goldine Linewad, which is the Golden Screen Award, and the Saturn Award for Best Performance by a Younger Actor, which is Noah Hathaway, who played... Atreyu. So there you go. There you go. It was nominated for a ton of stuff, won a bunch of stuff, but those were kind of the big ones. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it gets a pass onto the podcast. <laughs> I'm surprised it holds an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was surprising. Yeah, I was um, a little shocked. But yeah, the Bambi Awards is a German award for film. It's like German Oscars kind of thing. And then Bambi would be like Golden Globes and Goldine Linewad would be like for sales like producers probably guild yeah so it did like it won a lot of stuff so there you go there you go that's how i that's how i was able to sneak it onto the podcast so so that's what they thought (laughs) sydney you're our guest why don't you go first all right i mean it's obvious for me it's a double butter but it's so biased because i it was my programming as a child you know what i mean i don't Mm -hmm. think you could turn it against me you know you can say the worst things about it and i think i would still love it no matter what, because I broke VHSs because of it. And, like, I understand. I fully understand that and, like, appreciate that and respect that. Because, like, I know for a fact there's movies that I love that I can understand that. Prancer. I actually rewatched <laughs> that and it wasn't very good. But, no, I was thinking more like Last Unicorn. I love Last Unicorn. That is, like the most beautiful film ever made. And I could understand why someone who didn't grow up with it might have a different viewpoint. But if Mike says something bad about it, I will rip out his tongue. <laughs> I, he knows I'm kidding. I know. Live just on the a little bit. Just, <laughs> no. just a little bit. Yeah. No, but I get it. I get it. Cause like there is something to be said about something that's like, is essentially like a comfort show, right? Yeah. Like a, sometimes we just want to watch that thing that just makes us, happy sometimes bad movies are good movies and i can't i have some really terrible movie taste so i can't judge and even worse tv taste so there you go so next up is me since it was my choice so i go first i'm gonna give it a plane i I thought about it and i was looking at it i'm giving it i'm approaching it from the viewpoint of this is a children's film Mm -hmm. and i feel like children would appreciate this more than i do now that's for sure (laughs) but at the same time like I, I thought a lot of the, the designs, like the, the world designs were very good. I thought that, again, the theme song still rips. 
and these the music is is great so it had some positives to it that i i did enjoy i'm i'm trying to look at it from the sense of like you know this is a kids movie it's not like you know mrs doubtfire which is like this is also for for adults this is more for kids and so i'm, I'm giving it i'm giving it a pass and giving it a, a plane on that sense alone using that thought process and sydney you said a moment ago you can say any terrible thing about this movie and you'll still like it I, let's put that to the test unless laura <laughs> gives her review i just i did not enjoy it um it's it's a burnt for me and i know and i feel bad because you love it it's just most of it didn't make any sense because I get why it didn't make any sense. You're condensing what seems like a very big book into a 90 minute movie. And that's hard. You're trying to cover so much that you're making every scene 10 seconds long. And then like, it's just, you're racing through it. And then the movie's still three hours long, or you've got a movie like this where like you've cut out most of the meat of the story and it doesn't really make any sense. And you're left with, it's like, kind of the framework without any of the, the stuff that actually makes the story full. So I just, I, I, I don't know who the audience for this movie really is besides people who grew up with it and loved it. So I just, it wasn't for me. <laughs> are, you, are you happy? You saw sober? Yeah. Because <laughs> at least I could give an informed decision. Fair. I had to give it that kind of respect. I think that's fair. And that's all I would ask of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just that I'm very, and that's the thing. I'm very hit or miss when it comes to fantasy stuff. Some fantasy stuff I'm really into and some fantasy stuff. I'm just like, not for me. Mm-hmm. What's an example of fantasy you really don't like? Cause of the big ones I know you do like. I don't, I'm trying like to like Lord of the Rings. You, I like the Lord of the Rings movies, didn't like the books because I've read the books and I didn't really love them. I'm trying to think, what else is fantasy? Was it E-Ragon? Did you watch E-Ragon? No, no desire. I don't even know how no to Harry Potter. Harry Potter, I like the books and still haven't watched the last two movies, even though we own them. I, I like Harry Potter. I, I like it for what it is. But I I definitely, again, I feel like Harry Potter is one of those things that like if you grew up with it, it holds a whole day. I remember when I bought the Harry, the first Harry Potter book because I was like, oh, I should probably see what this is all about. Because like it's such, a, and I work for a book company. I should probably have an idea with Harry. And I went to the counter at Chapters, which is like our Barnes and Noble, and put it on the counter to buy it. And someone was like, "Oh, is it a gift?" I said, "Oh no, it's for me." And they're like, oh, "Have you ever read it before?" And I was like, "Well, no. I figured I'd give it a try." And they were like, oh, "I'm so excited for you to start this journey." And I was like. <laughs> I kind of want to put it back. (laughs) I also have a problem where when things are like super, 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 super popular, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I just, cause like people being like obsessively fan E over things makes me want to not. Yeah. You and my wife would be really good friends. She's exactly the same way. I just like nothing ruins things like the fans of things. What is, what does your wife think of this movie? She Ooh. had no interest in watching this. <laughs> <laughs> she, I mean, she's seen it with me before, but she's out within the first 10 minutes, man, asleep. Or she's like, can I be on my phone while we watch it? And I'm like, yes, yes, you can. I understand it's not your thing. She's not a big fantasy person. Very selectful if she does watch fantasy. But yeah, this was a solo run for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are our thoughts on this film. So that will do it for this week's episode. Before we go, though, Sydney, thank you so much for being with us. Give yourself a bit of a plug. Tell everybody where they can find you, what you do, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So I host a podcast called Behind the Behind. You can find us on all your major podcasting applications. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BT Behind. What do you podcast? Who who do you talk to? I got doctors, council people from the government. We got psychics. We got musicians. We got dungeon masters. We got writers, authors, all those good. It's it's all over the place. I I don't even know where this is going to go. But you're enjoying doing it. And that's the important thing. I mean, everyone has a story. Everyone has something unique about them. And like, that's kind of the point. I want to get as many 
unique people, which is everyone on this show. Yeah, I love I love the concept of it. Like, I think it's so cool because you're right. Everyone has like something about them that's that's interesting that they they have an insight on that would be unique. And like, it's such a good idea to not just focus on like, I'm going like, to you mentioned doctors, I'm going to talk to doctors. It's like, no, I'm going to talk to everybody. Everybody's got something. I, I love it. I think it's a great idea. I like one of the episodes is your wife. <laughs> and you're talking about your wife and how uh, you guys met and how it all went down. That's a good episode. Like Easiest the, interview I've ever done. I asked her <laughs> one question and she just took off with it. And I was like, this is, this is going to be a lot more fun than I thought. This is the easiest job you had. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, thanks again for being on. And uh, if there's another movie that you think that at some point you'd like to, to pop in on, feel free. And we'd love to have you back. But for this show, we, the show does continue to go on. And for next week's episode, we will be looking at. So we're going to be watching a Bruce Willis classic next week. Okay. It's not Die Hard from that tease. We are going to be watching. Death becomes her. Oh, okay. I I know of this movie. I've seen it. It's been a long, long time. Same Z's. It is one where there, it's not even on a lot of services. I have to rent it, and it's not even on very many services to rent. I'm kind of tempted to just order the DVD. <laughs> but if it sucks, then we're stuck with that DVD. Forever. I feel like I'm gonna love it. It seems like right up my alley. It does because you like weird kooky shit. And that sounds like weird cookie shit. And I love Goldie Hawn and Bruce Wells. And Meryl's always amazing. Doesn't he have like a weird dirtbag mustache? Yes. Yeah, dirtbag mustache the entire movie? Yeah. There you go. So there you go. Dirtbag mustache Bruce Willis. I love Bruce Willis. <laughs> that will be on next week's episode of Burnt Popcorn. So we hope you will join us then. Until then, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.